Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a fascist foghorn to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the broken clock fallacy. The fascist foghorn (laughs) makes me think of foghorn leghorn. And uh-huh. he actually is. I mean, it's yeah. Boy, I said boy. Yeah, I think Senator John Kennedy is probably the the, the closer yeah. to the fascist fascist foghorn leghorn. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Yeah, but yeah, yeah the broken clock <laughs> fallacy. Well, if you don't know what the kind of broken clock analogy mm-hmm. is, let's let Rick Perry right. explain it because he does such a great job here. Everybody that's attacked me has gone down the tubes. Yeah, Perry attacked me. Now he's getting out of the race. He was at four or five percent. Now he's getting out of the race. He was at zero. And joining me now, former Texas Governor Rick Perry. Uh, Governor, do you want to make news today on The Real Story? Is Donald Trump right? Are you getting out of the race? You know, a a broken clock is right once a day. So, uh, you know, the the bottom line is I'm still here and I'm still working. So apparently Rick Perry does not know the broken clock analogy. Well, if it's on on 24-hour time, then maybe. Maybe maybe then it's right once a day. But even then... What he was saying was, no, Trump isn't right when he says, I'm out of the race. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So in a way, he's saying a bro- a, a, he's getting the broken clock thing wrong and then saying, and this isn't one of the times he's right. Well, because according to him, there's 23 <laughs> other and 59, no, 23 times 60, plus 59 <laughs> times when he's right. And this isn't one of them. Yeah, so people generally use it. <laughs> to mean that even a broken clock is right twice a day because if the clock stops at quarter past noon then at quarter past midnight it also appears to say the right time but just because it's correct on those two occasions doesn't mean you can rely on that thing or that person yeah and so this fallacy is when someone is right usually for the wrong reasons or based on no evidence at all or based on kind of an insane theory or whatever right and then claim that because they were right, you should now trust what they say. You right. know, you should credit them with see them as a reliable yeah, source because yeah. they were right that one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a sign that they're quite prescient and trustworthy yeah. and ought to be relied upon for anything else they're going to say from now on. Moving forward, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That one positive one allows them to ignore <laughs> all the times they were completely wrong. Yeah, yeah. In a way. Uh, but yeah. it was actually quite difficult to find good Trump examples mm-hmm. for this. Wow. Because to invoke this fallacy, you have to actually have been right, right. at some point. <laughs> it's not enough just to claim <laughs> all the stuff. You've actually well, got to turn out to have been right. Yeah. yeah. And he does, obviously, he claims he's yeah, yeah. been right about everything. Yeah. But he is not very frequently right, right. about things. So so not often can he look back and go, see, I was right about that thing yeah. and actually have been right about it. That surely doesn't stand in his way because he would just lie about <laughs> oh, it. Oh, no. Oh, say... he absolutely. In fact, our first example <laughs> <laughs> right. is a statement that he put out on his own website 
I think this was even before Truth Social was up, but after he'd been banned this from Twitter. Was, oh, right, okay. From the desk of Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. 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 It said, have you noticed that they are now admitting I was right about everything they lied about before the election. And then has a list mm-hmm. of things that he claims, by implication, he was right about from the beginning, right. but and they said he was wrong, they lied about it, and it's been now proven, and they're even admitting it now, that he was right about all these things. Wow. The vast majority of things on the list are bullshit, mm-hmm. like hydroxychloroquine works, which it doesn't. doesn't. Um, the virus came from a Chinese lab, which they have not shown in any way Um, hunter biden's laptop was real again no no. (laughs) the one thing on the list though is we did produce vaccines before the end of 2020 in record time that is accurate right there weren't a lot of people saying that he wouldn't yeah do it or it couldn't be done partly i think because he had nothing to do with it it. yes exactly (laughs) that's the the we did well, he, yeah. he's not right about that. Vaccines were produced. Yeah, the organisations that produced the vaccine before the end of 2020, we've discussed this uh, at the mm. time in, in a fair amount of detail, were not funded through Operation Warp Speed beyond the fact that they placed orders that were conditional on the vaccines working. Yeah. So they they said, basically, if you make something that works, we'll buy shit tonnes of yeah. them. Um, that's not the same as giving people money for research no. or or doing no. the research and, and creating yeah. vaccines. Like if you could produce a safe flying car, God, we'd bite uh-huh. your hand off to get Oh, those. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's not the same so, as, yeah, here's a load of money, go produce a, a safe flying car. Yeah, which is why they've never happened. Yeah. <laughs> so the we in that bit yeah. is probably the bit that's doing the, the most work and, and is the least accurate, but... Vaccines were produced before the end of 2020. That is accurate. And it was surprisingly fast, given the length of time vaccines previously took to be produced, partly because of completely different methods that were being used and the sheer huge number of researchers working on it due to it being a global pandemic. And also that the bureaucratic barriers that were normally in the way that means that drugs take 10 years to come to market mainly yeah. because backers aren't convinced of the need for it and want to, you know, to sort of uh, speculate their money whereas this you definitely need we definitely need oh yeah there was uh, there was a need a clear, a clear global, global need, need and there was definitely going to be a market yeah. so yeah. let's yeah. just sign it off <laughs> and give you know, sign off the giving off the money and put it through all the uh-huh. testing procedures without impediment yeah yeah and the fact that he, previous to the end of 2020, said that the vaccines would be ready before the end of 2020 um, doesn't mean that, that he should then be trusted about other things he says because of all <laughs> lots of other stuff he said which didn't not come least, true. Not least the rest <laughs> of the list, which is another yeah, 10 yeah, most, Yeah, basically yeah. almost the entire well, that of kind the of list. The, the statement at the top, have you noticed that they're now admitting question mark is the usual rule if uh-huh. it starts with the question the answer is normally no yeah <laughs> mostly no always yeah. no it's kind of it's clickbait he's even doing clickbait on his faxed memos handwritten memos. <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah in in the search of things that maybe he was right about possibly mm-hmm. i've had to get quite specific with timelines right yeah because uh, Trump appointed Jerome Powell to be the uh, Fed chair right. 
and at points that decision was praised Mm -hmm. on both sides of the aisle with the rampant inflation and all of the issues and the um, the fed's response with interest rates and and all of that kind of stuff um he is not necessarily super popular these days right and there there were there were lots of times when trump said he was awful but there were times in history yeah. since trump appointed him when people said yeah he's good he's a good appointment yeah and here's an example of trump saying how happy he was with jerome powell today i called up jerome powell and i said uh, jerome you've done a really good job i was proud of him i was that took courage. And ultimately, you're going to see the fruits. Now, he's not finished. I mean, he's got other uh, arrows in the quiver or whatever they say, I will tell you. He's got plenty of arrows. But um, no, I'm very happy with the job he did. So there's a reason mm-hmm. why Trump appointed Jerome Powell. Yeah. Or rather, there's a reason why he didn't reappoint Janet Yellen, who was the previous Fed chair. Right. And the reason was not because he was so much more suitable for the role or or like had lots more experience or you know super qualified compared to her it was that she was five foot three and trump didn't think that that was tall enough to be a good fed chair wow that well given that we know that he has dismissed an ability the judge's ability based on the fact that he's a mexican then, you know, it doesn't yeah. surprise me. Right. So apparently he went around and asking his advisors, yeah. do you think Janet Yellen is too short for, to be... Too short for what? To be, yeah. to be the chair of the Fed, to, to, to decide <laughs> the monetary policy for the USA. Um, and, and he decided she was and, and appointed Jerome Powell. So taller. even if... That, yeah, because he, right. he's six foot. Right. Even if... <laughs> Jerome Powell turned out to be a great Fed chair, which is definitely under dispute. Right, yeah. That's not the right reason for doing <laughs> it and doesn't mean you made a great decision. No. It doesn't mean your reasoning is sound and should therefore be trusted in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Other than you can trust that he will use the same suspect reasoning... Yeah, yeah next time so that's a guarantee yeah. <laughs> that's a guarantee of future performance yeah wow i wonder why why just because he was short i mean he doesn't like people taller than him because that's why he wears the things in his shoes that makes him look like the front half of a pantomime centaur yeah wow but it's okay because jerome powell isn't taller than him right if you believe how, how tall, tall he trump says, says he is, he is. yeah yeah which when you have pictures of him next to people whose height we know, yeah. <laughs> suggests he isn't as tall as he says he is. There used to be a measurement on on uh, kind of prime time chat show TV in the UK. Uh, the pre- presenter Terry Wogan, who you couldn't tell how tall celebrities were until they appeared on <laughs> Wogan's show because he would uh-huh. stand up and shake the hand as they came on, and you and you'd see that they were taller than or shorter than <laughs> Terry Wogan. Wow. Uh-huh. And I once met Terry Wogan in real life. He's enormous. <laughs> Probably because I'd only ever seen him on the TV. So at most he was, you know, yeah. 10 inches tall. So the other time that Trump claims he's right yeah. is 
often when he was wrong. <laughs> and uh, in this instance, our third example is one of his. We talked about hedging mm. as, as one of the uh, one of the logical fallacies, um, where you basically get something wrong and then just say, "Oh yeah, I was right anyway." You you say yeah. that's what I said all along. Yeah, yeah. And in, and this tweet was after the Alabama Senate race between Roy Moore and Doug Jones, which the Democrat Doug Jones won yeah. because Roy Moore allegedly is a paedophile. Oh yeah. That's right. Wasn't that the Sasha Van Cohen thing where, you, where the <laughs> yeah, paedophile yeah, yeah. detector? The paedophile detector. Work. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, Trump, in that race, yeah. endorsed Roy Moore, obviously, because he's the Republican candidate. Yeah. Not surprising. Yeah. But after Moore lost, Trump tweeted about the fact that he basically knew that Roy Moore couldn't win. Mm-hmm. And and he had endorsed Luther Strange in the Republican primary against Roy Moore. So he focused very much on that. Mm. And he said, the reason I originally endorsed Luther Strange and his numbers went up mightily is that I said Roy Moore will not be able to win the general election. I was right. Roy worked hard, but the deck was stacked against him. So after having endorsed Roy Moore for the general election, he's then claiming victory. Because he originally endorsed. Because <laughs> he knew that Moore couldn't win, and that's why he endorsed his opponent in the his primary. His numbers went up widely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but did, yeah. but not enough to win. Yeah. No. He still <laughs> no. lost to, yeah. to, Moore. to alleged yeah. paedophile yeah. Roy Moore. Yeah. Who then didn't win the general election. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, isn't it? And, yeah. um, and also, isn't it a bit post-hoc, ergo prop-to-hoc-ish? Is that is that, that uh, this a variation of that? Well, certainly the the idea that Luther Strange's numbers went up after um, Trump yeah. endorsed him. Yeah, yeah, that, that bit. Yeah, that would that would be if that were true. I haven't looked into it in enough right. detail to, <laughs> yeah. to te- check, oh, yeah. but I wouldn't be completely yeah. surprised to find <laughs> they didn't. Yeah. I'm not. You're not motivated much to go yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By saying I was right here. Yeah. My contention is that he is saying, look how great I am at, at knowing yeah. whether someone's going yeah, to win yeah, an yeah. election. You should believe me next but time in the I last, say. In the last lot of, um, so that was 2017, in, the, in the, yeah. the midterms just gone, he endorsed a whole bunch of people who failed mm. to win. Yeah, but what he does is he endorses uh, some people like that who, who end up losing, but he also takes pains to endorse all of the people who are definitely going to win, like people who are running unopposed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, but <laughs> yeah. literally, yeah. I mean, pe- people who couldn't possibly mathematically lose, yeah. he will go, yeah, I endorse this person. Yeah. And then he gets to claim that as a victory. Yeah. So after the midterms, he was saying, oh, you know, I was like 220 for 260 or something like yeah. that. Because because he put so many endorsements out there for people who would absolutely Not certain fail. to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then all the people who theoretically if he had any control yeah. left had an um, influence of he could have made a difference in that race yeah. they still lost yeah herschel walker for example yes carrie lake people you know people who were very trumpy yeah and he was like yes this person would be great you should definitely vote for them and they still lost so yeah yeah that's that's what happens is he he does he he stacks the deck <laughs> yeah and then and then says it, uh see i totally won <laughs> Just look at this one. Yeah, so it's almost a bit like the sharpshooter fallacy as well, wasn't it? So in that respect, he will just fire things at everybody and then just point at the ones that show that he is prescient and 
um, ought to be paid attention to. So we're just pointing at those ones. We, and in and in a, in doing so, that's the entirety of his propaganda, isn't it? Just look at the things <laughs> I'm right about, or that well, the, the whole of 116 fallacies that we've looked at that he uses <laughs> just to prove that he's right yeah. come into play. And don't look at the times that he's wrong. Mustn't do that because that because the right ones outweigh those because things yeah. where I'm right are worth a lot more than things where I'm yeah. wrong. It's like the Jonathan Swan interview. You yeah. can't look at those numbers. Yeah, yeah, no. look at, you, can't, yeah. <laughs> you can't do you that. Can't, no, you have no. to look at you have to look at these numbers. Look at the ones that chart. show who they are. <laughs> right. Even though I've drawn on them with the crayon. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And now is the time I think for Mark's British politics corner. So I'm going to cheat a little bit and return to what we were considering in the last episode. Sunak's five pledges, um, and one of them being inflation being halved. With no, you'll notice when he first says it that there was no, there's no time scale. He's just going to halve inflation. And I, the reason I'm putting this in is because, mark my words, I will be right. <laughs> this it seems to be a blatant future-broken clock fallacy in the making. Five promises. We will halve inflation, grow the economy, reduce debt, cut waiting lists and stop the boats. There they are. That's government <laughs> policy for you. And they're all those kind of open-ended people's priorities, apparently. Well, they're, they're his and he's just called them people's priorities. But they're the kind of unverifiable things that, and the, here comes the, the future broken clock fallacy. They can then claim to have been right about, because if it happens, because in whatever time scale that they've not defined, they will then point to it and say, "You see, we did it, and we were prescient in the rightness of our claim, and you can't prove it wasn't as a result of what we did, and therefore you can trust us." in the upcoming general election, which is what it's all about. But the the Guardian of the 18th of January, so yesterday, pointed out Jeremy Hunt, who is the Chancellor, so he's happy alongside Sunak, claiming government actions are bringing down inflation because yesterday, or was it today? Yesterday, inflation in the UK dropped by 0.2%. Fab, so it's about 107 now. So... And he's saying all our actions will bring down and are bringing down inflation. However, he doesn't take any responsibility for it going up, like Liz yeah. Truss blowing a £64 billion hole in the economy um, when she and Kwasi Kwarteng spooked the markets. Um, the energy price cap not being managed, didn't do that. Windfall taxes on energy supplies, immense profits, not happening. But they, But when it goes up, counter to what they want to be able to claim they blame that on global factors things outside of their control yeah absolutely and and uh, short of it just constantly going up forever yeah. at some yeah. point it's probably going to come down yeah. a bit and then they can say see we yeah, did exactly. it <laughs> and so they're being very, and and so this is what he said um so the, the inflation has dropped so the, it, but not a lot not a lot and um <laughs> But although it's dropped, there's no room from deviation for deviation from their first avowed intent. And here's Jeremy Hunt saying so. There is no room for any deviation from our central objective of the year, which is to halve inflation 
so that we deal with the anger, for example, of public sector workers who are seeing their pay eroded. We deal with the pressure that pensioners are seeing when they're doing their weekly shop. The pressure on businesses worried sometimes about their viability. This has to be our central mission. And that's why the Prime Minister has nailed his colours to the mast and said we are going to halve inflation over the next year. So over, over the next year, so is that from now or within the next year? So is that a year from January, like tax, end of the tax year? So could always go up to April 2024. Anyway, what's interesting is that it gives the government the reason also to turn down bigger pay increases in the public sector or the offer of tax cuts or higher government spending. They can all be turned down because falsely they, that, they claim that will affect inflation. But at the same time, they're saying we need to get to inflation because that will placate the anger of the poorly paid public sector. Well, no, as we know from Mick Lynch last time, problem with low paid people, if they haven't got enough money. So that's nothing to do with inflation. Inflation is halved. Things are still going up. They're just not going up as much. So, so the reason I'm calling this the broken, a broken clock fallacy is that they have nothing to do with it, but will claim it as their victory. See, I told you so, we were right, it's all down to us. When it's not the government's job. That, it's a bit like Trump saying, we brought in the vaccines. He's, he's saying, we will halve inflation. Well, they won't, it's not, it's not the government's job. They have no direct control over inflation. They have direct control over public sector tax cuts and public spending. So they will claim that if we up those it will up inflation it won't but they claim it so halving it will mean it will go down to 5.4 percent which is more than two percent more than what the government asked the bank of england to get it to and actually the uh, office for budget responsibility forecast inflation to fall by its own accord um, <laughs> to 3.8 by the end of the year so less than half um and it and it's to do with the major things that are driving up inflation are the energy prices and the energy cap. So the things that Hunt's party, Sunak's party, did to make inflation go up, they have they said, "Oh no, nothing to do with us." But they didn't inter intervene when the energy price cap went way up. So in France. For instance, Macron said to the energy companies, you can only put up your prices by 4.5%. Here, they went up nearly 50%. Huge amount. So the And the forecasters are saying that energy costs will come down because the price of gas will come down because it will be warmer and the storage pressures for the to meet the demand over the winter will be lessened so the price will come down. But it won't come down for some months because we're, the, we're paying for the price of energy, gas, for instance, um, at the price that was negotiated months ago. Uh, you mean natural, natural gas? Natural gas. Yeah, 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 rather than gas, yeah, yeah. gasoline. Yeah, 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 yeah. My energy prices have gone up by basically 100%. Wow. They've, they've yep. doubled just over the last couple of months because it's – um, that's when because there was a cap still in place and mm -hmm. it's and it's been removed yep. and now, yeah. So so I got a, a thing saying here's your new monthly direct debit cost yep. and it's it's more than twice what I was paying before. Wow, which is insane. Yeah, no, and and the government 
are not saying at any stage that they could have intervened, but they didn't. What they're mm. saying is, oh, it's terrible, and it's driving up inflation, and we will bring inflation down. Well, you could have prevented it from going up by intervening in a Macron-esque kind of way, and yeah, like say some kind of windfall tax on, on the, the energy profit, on the energy companies. Maybe could have paid. <laughs> it could have just yeah. kept the price down. They could have paid for restricting the energy cap with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. things stuff like that. Yeah, but no, 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 no. It's global. And it's kind of odd that they all go they go all globalists like that, given how Brexity they are and nationalists. It's like, oh no, it's all to do with global factors and thank God we're not in the EU. Well, if we were, we could have <laughs> brought some power to bear on the energy companies. Anyway. Um so and because the thing is that anything could happen. So how is he going to look us in the face in January when we're in in the even more of a run up to the local elections or to the general election and say, oh, no, it's all gone tits up and we didn't manage to do it. That's, and he would just hold up his hands, hold up his hands and say, well, I said we'd be open and honest and transparent <laughs> and we wouldn't be able to perform. And if we won't be able to perform, you just have to tell us that stuff. And like has a has a politician ever said I uh, yeah, it turns out we we couldn't do the thing we said we we'd do. Sorry about that. That was hard. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Has that ever yeah, yeah. Happened? No. No. <laughs> no. No. Second example, couldn't let it go without um the many, many fallacies that has run as a tapestry through Boris Johnson's career, and I'm sure this one is in it. And I think it's in there and it's summed up in a poetic way by Michael Heseltine, who once said of Johnson, he's a man who waits to see which way the crowd is running and then dashes in front and says, follow me. And I think there's a half-broken clock, I'm going to call it, in the vaccine rollout. <laughs> and half, because he lays claim to the success. Even in his leaving speech, he was still trumpeting the vaccine rollout as one of his achievements and part of his legacy. And it's only half because it's difficult to know whether he believed it in the first place and made a claim to the effect that it would be the fastest rollout. And that's difficult because he claimed so many things, for instance, that the track and trace system would be world beating, for instance. And uh, I was reading about this in HuffPost. So, Reese, uh, when was it? Oh, yeah. So it's February last year. No, 21. Dave, Dr. David Wrigley noted that then, so it's this, yeah, February 21, that all over the 70s and clinically extremely vulnerable people in the UK, as well as frontline healthcare, health and care workers have been offered in a little over a month their first COVID-19 vaccination. So it was, an, it was an amazing vaccination rollout. However, he points out that the vast majority of vaccines were delivered at GP-led sites, whilst others took place in NHS hospitals and through community pharmacies and mass vaccination sites. In great contrast to the privately run track and trace system, which cost $37 billion and disappeared without trace. Ha -ha. And he's strangely not lauded as a success of <laughs> Oh, Johnson. he doesn't mention that. Says, remember the track and trace? I did that. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. <laughs> it's a, a world-beating. We managed to, to launder more money in one go on an Excel 95 spreadsheet than anybody ever before. Yeah, so he's very selective in his there you are, you sees, but does it when fortune delivers whatever he claims nonetheless. So actually, the vaccine rollout is probably the only one 
that was successful in his time as Prime Minister during COVID, and it had nothing to do with him. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, and, it, you know, my other note under there is it's a bit like Johnson claiming the credit for the 2012 Olympics. He had nothing to do with that. It was all set up by his Labour predecessor, Ken Livingstone, and it was a massive success because of the volunteer scheme, um, and it was just brilliant. And he was, of course, he got to be mayor at the time and pissed a load of money up the wall with his garden bridge and all sorts of other things on the back of that. Delivered absolutely nothing and had nothing to do with the Olympics, but still claimed that as a great victory, sufficient to get him a job in government. (laughs) (sighs) Fallacy. Tick, tick, boom. Perfectly brilliant song. They knew in writing it when they did in 2008 that it would be used today. Yeah. And they were right about that. So in the fallacy in the world, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week is the reason that I picked this fallacy for for now. Because over Christmas in the UK, we had a new, uh, I don't know, would you call it reality TV show? Kind of game show thing? Yeah, it was pretending to be reality TV, wasn't it? So it was the Traces BBC show based on a a Dutch show, I think. Mm -hmm. Hugely popular. Very much became part of the kind of festive zeitgeist of the country. Right. Uh, Went very viral on social media and became very popular. It's already been renewed for a second season. At the same time, they've made an Australian version. The US version is now on iPlayer. Although mm-hmm. it, it, on the BBC's kind of video on demand system, um, it will at some point be shown on BBC One. I believe it's currently being shown in the US. It premiered right. a week ago today, yeah. um, and I think it's kind of ongoing, like the like the British one was. Yeah. This is from the the UK version of the Traitors, and if you haven't seen the show, essentially it's kind of a live action Among Us. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is, yes. There's there's a group of people, 24 people initially, over the course of the series they have to complete certain tasks and as they do they build up a pot of money that one or a few of them can win at the end. Some of them early on are picked as traitors. Mm-hmm. Their job, this is where it departs from among us, it's not to sabotage the tasks that they're doing. They, they 
are also interested in winning that money, so they're trying to build up that pot of money as well. Right. But but they get to eliminate one of the non-traitors, who are called the faithful, um, right. every right. every night. So the traitors get together. Um, they they know who the other traitors are, mm-hmm. but the the others in the group don't know who is a faithful and who is a traitor. They only know what their own kind of status is. Right. So they're trying to figure out who is a traitor, mm-hmm. because apart from one of them getting eliminated every night, they also get to vote to get someone out like in Among Us. They vote on who they think the right. imposter is, yeah, the traitor yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And because the traitors aren't sabotaging the tasks, all they're doing is kind of getting together separately and um, deciding who they're going to get rid of. There's very little for them to go on, for the faithful to, to yeah. figure out yeah, you who is a traitor. You can't study them because all you're seeing as a member of the faithful is somebody being voted out. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of watching everyone and and they're seeing everyone work together to try and build up the money pot and all that kind of stuff over the course of the day. And, and, you know, every morning they see who has been got rid of and they kind of look around at body language and try and figure out if people's reactions are appropriate and all this kind of stuff, which is essentially an exercise in guessing <laughs> yeah they they really yeah. really don't have anything to to um to go on and i absolutely loved it because as a student of psychology yeah. and of and of logical fallacies there there is there are such a lot of fallacies flying around yeah and they are utterly convinced that they have got the right person based on nothing, based on no evidence whatsoever. Right. Um, and when it turns out, when they do their vote and the person yeah. says, hey, I'm not a traitor, yeah. um, and they get rid of them, they're, they're shocked that they could have possibly got it wrong, <laughs> <laughs> despite the fact that they didn't really have any evidence to make their assumption that they made. Yeah. So that was really a, very entertaining in that respect, is watching yeah. people just be completely confident when they say, oh, I am, I am 100% confident you're faithful when they're speaking to a traitor, and yeah. vice versa. Now, there was one person in the UK version called Maddie who had a theory early on. Right. Because when they did a banishment, when they were voting for who to get rid of, pretty much everyone voted for one person, Nikki. Right. But one guy didn't think Nikki was a traitor, so voted for someone else. He voted for Imran. Um, And Maddie noted that and thought, well, that's suspicious for some reason. No particular reason why it would be suspicious, and decided that the reason he voted for Imran was yeah. to throw everyone off the scent because he, he knew was... that the person they were voting for wasn't a traitor. So he thought, well, I'll look good by voting for this different person, which yeah. is which is not true. That isn't he was a faithful this guy who she yeah. he voted uh, for. targeted, yeah, and basically she was completely wrong. So here she is explaining the following night why this is her thought process and what other decision this has led her to the first um thing everyone voted nikki and nikki was a faithful apart from aaron voted imran right they knew who the faithful was so they wanted to appear good so they thought let me vote for the person that's like someone else because they know nikki is a faithful so he voted imran so i was immediately like aaron is a traitor from that the next day a few of us voted aaron and we nearly got him out but as we were going round, Wilf voted Aaron 
Aaron then runs out of the room because a traitor has backstabbed another traitor. <sighs> I've just thought, as a faithful, we should approach this, go for Will, and then at least if we know Will's a traitor, it will work out that Aaron definitely is but one. Not <laughs> so... So this is her tortured logic, is that she reckons yeah. that the first guy, Aaron, who voted for a different person from everyone else on, the yeah. on like, the second night. That makes him suspicious. That, that makes him suspicious. She's right. decided he's a traitor based on that. Okay. Yep. The following night, his name gets thrown around a bit, and another guy called Will votes for Aaron as a traitor. There's a lot of people voting for Aaron, not yep. quite enough to get rid of him, yeah. But they're in this little Scottish castle. They're all kind of cut off from reality. They're all becoming friends. And then they're, they're feeling betrayed by people and the yeah. tensions are high and stuff. Everyone's a bit emotional. It's a little bit over the top. And Aaron has a bit of a panic attack. He, he gets very emotional about the fact that everyone is assuming he's a traitor when he isn't. And nothing he can say can dissuade them. Yeah, so, so when lots of people vote for him, he gets a bit upset, has to leave the room for a minute. Um, Maddie decides... That it was Will voting for Aaron that triggered this, and the only possible reason mm. must yeah. be that they're both traitors. Yeah, and and it's given it away, and now, yeah. and he's left the room because he can't believe he's given it away. Yeah. Now right. this logic only holds up <laughs> if Aaron's a traitor. Yeah. If the, if her first assumption was right. Yeah. It's not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but does that shake her face in her? Well, she own... doesn't. The thing is, she doesn't find out it's not right because you only find out if someone's a traitor or a faithful when they get chucked out. Chucked then out, they right. say, mm-hmm. you know, it's like in Among Us, it says this was not an imposter or whatever. Yeah. So she, she, at no point until she leaves, eventually, yeah. does she know? Does she find out whether she was right or not? But never is her opinion of how right she is shaken at all. Wow. In fact, this this is what what she says about her opinion at one point. I honestly think I should be FBI if I've got... <laughs> like, hello, MI5. Actually, no, because you wouldn't say that you're MI5 if you work for MI5. You know what I mean? <laughs> So she's she's so she's so convinced that, that yeah. yeah she should be in the FBI or the MI5. Yeah. The thing is, this isn't a spoiler because the traitors are revealed on the first episode. Oh okay. Oh, it's a bit like Columbo. So Will, the person she assumes must be a traitor because he voted for the person she who she decided was a, was a traitor. Yeah. He, as it turns out, is a traitor. Oh, she's no. guessed. Yeah, she's yeah. guessed that right, but for yeah. totally wrong the wrong reason. reason. Yeah, like no logic whatsoever mm-hmm. has led her to this position. Mm-hmm. She happens to have guessed that right, and so after the whole thing went out on TV, and everyone knew who all the traitors were and who everyone had voted for and everything like that, mm-hmm. Claudia Winkleman, the TV presenter, has a, also a radio show, and she invited all of the contestants on her show to talk about how big the show was and how excited everyone was that it was on over Christmas yeah. and brought Maddie back on to talk about the fact that, as it turned out, she was right about Will. Yeah. Maddie, you know what? Your workings out weren't always correct, but you know that when you know something... You know something, and none of them listen to you. Yeah, gutted. You should have listened to me, guys. I hate to say that. I've told you should definitely so, not, Maddie. I did tell you so. <laughs> and um, Maddie Marple strikes again. <laughs> also, the MI5 is definitely giving me a ring. No. <laughs> After the fact, she's like, see. I yeah, knew. Yeah. When Even though she... they pointed it out that you were wrong <laughs> yeah, yeah. with all of yeah. your so-called logical steps, 
Oh my God! And that's see that and the mixture of the estuarine accent. It's it's <laughs> kind of it's like the British equivalent of QAnon. She would just yeah. buy into that. One of the her her two theories. She happened to guess it right, and is now saying, "I oh, see, I so knew you it. You should have listened right. to me." But <laughs> yeah. but based on completely <laughs> shaky foundations. Yeah. That were none of them true, no. yeah. And yet that does we... not make you a reliable no. source for future. No. <laughs> so, in the Australian version mm-hmm. of the traitors, yeah. one of the contestants claims to be a psychic. I oh, mean, she—that's really? what she does for a job, right? Oh, that's going to be great. Which you would think makes someone really good at guessing, yeah. or not guessing, but yeah. like divining. Yeah. And just like with when every time Maddie brought up her theory, everyone else was like, "Oh, for God's sake, man! Yeah, yeah, you let leave it, go. it, just leave it." Yeah. Generally, all of the other contestants are kind of when she says, "Oh, I've consulted my spirit guide, yeah, and these yeah. are the people who I think." Everyone's like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" <laughs> <laughs> Has she turned out to be right? Well, she she guesses yeah. four names. Right. She well, she doesn't get. She says, "I've consulted, you know, with my." the people on the other side and this is the these people these four people are traitors that this is it you know 100 these Uh these four people she guesses two of them right oh no (laughs) she's she's just as confident about the two that are wrong yeah but but of course that uh, doesn't that doesn't yeah well there's a bit like maddie (laughs) who was saying you see you should listen to me all along yeah but you were wrong absolutely wrong about one of them yeah back to the that whole thing of if you're right, then that becomes that erases all the other wrong times, doesn't it? <laughs> Up till then, which kind of leads into the same. You can see the motivation behind the gambler's fallacy because yeah, you, yeah. you fail, you fail, you fail, you win. You go, ah, oh, right. Well, we'll keep, well, we'll keep going then. There's a there's a guy in there who who says at one point, you know, with every faithful that we eliminate that gets kind of lost from the game, yeah. Maddie gets more and more right. Which again, not how that works. No, no, no she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's still um, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Still, it goes back to zero. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, and and I think in the very first or second episodes, when they turn out to be wrong because they've just guessed, yeah. the person says, "Oh, you know, I'm a faithful," and the, and they're like, one of them, one person says, "How can all of us have got it so wrong?" And I'm like. This because you all based it on nothing, because yeah. you just jumped on the bandwagon of Listen one person who had a yeah. mad theory. How come we all got it so, so wrong? Yeah, it was oh, very entertaining brilliant. in terms of just watching people reason badly yeah. and then absolutely be, go with their bad reasoning. Yeah, for, and then for be weeks. completely very and utterly convinced by it, and then oh, yeah. completely absolutely. distraught and flummoxed yeah. by. The fact that it doesn't turn out that way, rather than just thinking, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was either going to yeah. be right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. The confidence with which they're wrong is amazing. <laughs> it's so great. So, yeah. So, our second example, that was just example number one. Well, our second example yeah. is from The Mentalist. Yeah. If you haven't seen The Mentalist, it's about a guy who used to pretend to be a psychic, mm-hmm. who stopped pretending and went to work for the uh, police, kind of like work with the police, and use his heightened powers of observation and deduction reasoning right. to help them solve cases. Yeah. And in this case, they are working on uh, a case where a person has been killed who was trying to help someone who's on death row. He was looking into 
the guy's case and the reason he was killed was because he found some evidence that might exonerate this person. You're going to like this. We found out how Ronaldo knew to look for the gun in the pond. He went to a psychic. She told him she saw a near body of water. Please, come on. How many times do I have to say it? There's no such thing as psychics. And it's the oldest one in the book. I mean, if you think about it, most things are close to a body of water. You're just mad because she was right. Even a broken clock gets the chance to be right twice a day. So, yeah, Patrick Jane specifically (laughs) raises the broken clock analogy there. And, yeah, this is the whole thing about cold reading. Yeah. Is that you say things um, that sound like they are quite specific, Mm -hmm. but actually apply to a lot of cases or a lot of people. Yeah. And sometimes you'll hit and sometimes you'll miss. And when you hit, you can double down on it and say, see, I was right about that. And yeah. that makes people more likely to believe the next thing you say is yeah. going to be. Yes, I'm true. getting. I'm getting a message from yeah. a name. A name. It's got. It's got a vowel in it. Anybody got a? Yeah. a, a well, a the thing is, people people are more specific than that. They tend to say things like, um, "Oh yeah, I've got a. I've got a name. It's an. It's an M or a J." Yeah. Because most people know someone with one of those initials. Exactly. Well, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I. And that. I those are the names the the letters people pick. The, yeah. the it's, a, it's M wow. J or S are the ones that that wow. people say, yeah. and it just happens that yeah we we happen to be M and J <laughs> because they are incredibly common yeah. names that start with M J and S. So if you say that to someone, oh yeah, I'm getting this message from someone, and and they're a, they're a kind of a father figure, which means they could be your father, they yeah. could be someone who you looked up to, they could be your uncle, it could be yeah. you know a grandfather, it could be, it could be a teacher, and just an yeah. older male person. Yeah, and and so they make they use these um, specific sounding things that can be applied in your head to so many different situations. Yeah, yeah. And with that body of water thing, that's a, a yeah. very common thing. You, Sylvia Brown, who was a scam psychic yeah. redundant she was a psychic who would say that missing kids were dead or were going to turn up or whatever mm-hmm. would often say they were they were going to be found near a body of water and that means that if they were in a lake she could say see i said it or if they were somewhere that was half a mile from a lake she could yeah. say see i said that so is it like anywhere in florida near a body of yeah, water, yeah. well yeah yeah. As Patrick Jane says, it's the, the pretty much everywhere, if you yeah. think about it. There's like there's lots of rivers and creeks and Because that's and... why people build Absolutely. cities. Yeah, decks yeah. of bottom water. So and it's a bit like um back to Maddie, is that when you latch on to when somebody says, Oh yeah, I'm getting an M or a J, uh, yeah. is that does that ring any bells? And you just discount the the pure randomness of it, because as soon as you're you're emotionally engaged in, you go, oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I've got an M, and th- that's it. That's it negates the rest of the shit. The fact that he just randomly said M J or S, <laughs> it, yeah. it negates the J or the S. So if it if it's an well, which is it? Is it Michael Jackson <laughs> yeah. or or not? It's got to be one or the. It can't move to suit no. the responses. But yeah, you psychic, forget that. Psychic visions are always very vague. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you buy into it, that's when it gets clearer, isn't it? Uh-huh. The and that's what Maddie falls foul of because she is her own psychic, and certainly <laughs> the psychic in in Australia that yeah. that she falls foul of that. And just go, oh yeah, well it's going to be this, it's going to be that, and. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> nobody's buying into it that's brilliant <laughs> yeah there's a there's a sequence in the australian one where the psychic they they they're doing a task trying to get money and they're going in a various train cars and they're splitting up mm. into groups and kind of getting on different train cars and chloe the psychic says oh i'm getting this very strong sense that we should split up like this you know you should go in this train car and the others should go in that one and whatever and they don't listen to her because she's nuts and and they don't succeed in the task and then so afterwards of course yeah. she can say well you <laughs> see if we'd done it if yeah, we'd done yeah, it the yeah, way yeah. i'd said yeah you know we would have yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beyond counterfactual the, fallacy. Yes, exactly. Beyond the yeah. beyond the no 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 uh-huh. thing. So you can yeah. still you can maintain the higher ground. Yeah, higher it proves ground. her yeah. ability. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Somehow. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, our final example. Well, my final example in this section is from National Treasure Book of Secrets. And in this scene, Nick Cage's character, he's just had a pretend argument with his ex partner. Um, to to kind of get into a particular security section of Buckingham Palace somehow because right. they knew that would work because that's yeah. how these films just that, ha- yeah. these work. <laughs> that's what happens. In, yeah, anyone's arguing. Like, oh God, yeah, come in. Yeah, put that's them in how, the security case that has and, access William to the and secret. Harry get in. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> when did you figure out it was a fake argument? When did you figure out I was really arguing during the fake argument? Right in the middle there, the part where I always assume that I'm right. Raleigh, get us out of here, which I don't get. Because if I turn out to be right after I assume that I'm right, then I'm correct, yes? When you get to a conclusion without asking and you happen to be right, you got lucky. I I get lucky a lot. (laughs) So, yeah, essentially what they were arguing about, kind of, is that he he makes decisions for both of them, or he used to, um, without, without really asking her whether... It was what she wanted or not. Yeah, and it turns out to be the right decision. If it, yeah, it when yeah. it turns out that it was what she wanted, she's still pissed off that he didn't ask her, mm-hmm. which is reasonable. Mm-hmm. So it, his argument is, well, I was I was right, so it's fine. It doesn't, you know, the the method I took to get to the right answer isn't important because the important yeah. thing is I was right about it. Yeah, and she rightly points out that when you when you get to the right answer without having done the the actual correct process, you've just got lucky. Yeah, yeah, that's not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not a reason to keep doing yeah. that. <laughs> that. That's just like well, that and that's what reminded me of the my contribution to this bit, fellas in the wild. But the YouTube I follow on a YouTube channel, uh, Vice Grip Garage, which is basically this guy who lives in Tennessee now, um, and he goes around the state rescuing abandoned cars. Who just he does his crazy stuff. Will he'll He'll fly there, and the episode opens. He's standing by a car that's half buried in the floor behind some trees. And he said, yeah, I just bought this sight unseen, and now I'm going to drive it 400 miles home. <laughs> and and his thing is, so he's called Derek Beery, and he's often seen MacGyvering a solution from zip ties and locking pliers. And, and when he does that, he uses this fallacy when he says, is it such a bad idea if it works? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it it gets lucky and it works. He still delights in laughing when it works because he he <laughs> has no faith in it at all, and he'll he'll get to the solution via all sorts of illogical means, and then it will work, and then that <laughs> justifies the means. The end yeah. justifies the means, and that's the same with Nick Cage when he's going. Okay, yeah, but it's fine because it's the right decision. So I'm going to think about how badly I got here. 
So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. So, you know, when I said right at the beginning of this, right at the beginning, I wasn't half bad at this, <laughs> this kind of thing. Well, it turns out I was right all along. <laughs> I'm not half bad at it. Because I'm currently 53 out of 105. Yeah, just under half bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not half bad. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right. So. What's, what's he up to this week? Our theme this week mm-hmm. is stuff Trump says about dead people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Especially when. them all the time. It's when, it's, it's when people have just died. You know, obviously, public figures, especially ones who knew the dead people or worked yeah, in the same circles, will often release truth. a statement, mm. sometimes a tweet, sometimes they'll put something on video or, or an official thing, and they'll say, you know, it was a pleasure working with him that time and mm. uh, condolences to his family, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so Trump will often insert himself into... The people's the, lives. The, his, yeah. uh, his obituary of, of famous right. people dying, <laughs> yeah. essentially, when he, when he wants to give a message to say, uh, they were great, but don't forget, they also thought I was great. Yeah. These are some examples of that. So mm-hmm. they span a, a period and they, they span different media, so you'll just have to kind of go on your instincts, really. Okay. The first yeah. one. Like I don't normally. Uh, yeah. Is, yeah. is Sean Connery. And every time I do that. It works out just fine. So this is when Sean Connery died. Uh, He said, the legendary actor 007 Sean Connery has passed on to even greener fairways. He was quite a guy and a tough character. I was having a very hard time getting approvals for a big development in Scotland when Sean stepped in and shouted, let him build the damn thing. Let him build the damn thing. That was all I... What was that? That wasn't Um, Sean Connery. (laughs) No, it was Dumbledore. (laughs) That was all I needed. There's no Everything... S's in there, so I couldn't do <laughs> no. it. Yeah. That was all I needed. Everything went swimmingly from there. He was so highly regarded and respected in Scotland, and beyond that, years of future turmoil was avoided. Years of future turmoil. Wow. Yeah. wow. So Sean Connery helped him get his development built. Did he ever play on that fairway? Statement number two. Yeah, yeah. See, I wouldn't... Yeah, I've got... Yeah, I've got a feeling that Sean Connery moved a lot to the right as he got older. As mm. people do. As people yeah, do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Statement number two. Well, I want to begin today by expressing my condolences to the family of a person I knew well. She worked for me on numerous occasions. Right. She was terrific. Aretha Franklin <laughs> on her passing. She's brought joy to millions of lives and her extraordinary legacy will thrive and inspire many generations to come. She was given a great gift from God, her voice, and she used it well. People loved Aretha. She was a special woman. <laughs> he had to put in. She's great. She's a you know, <laughs> fantastic singer, brilliant artist, um, you know, inspiring generations. But he had to put, she worked for, she me, worked for me on numerous occasions. Uh-huh. Yeah. Doing what? <laughs> <laughs> what? That's, that's, that's what? And she statement number three. Okay. Yeah. Melania yeah. and I were very sad to learn of the loss of my good friend, Her Majesty <laughs> Queen Elizabeth II. She was an amazing woman who was very gracious and beautiful to us when we were there in England. 
People said she didn't get on well with us, but actually we got on very well. We liked each other a lot, and what people don't know is that she had a great sense of humour. We share the sadness of people all over the world. Well, people do know that. That's, you know, we've seen her with James Bond <laughs> and Penny the Bear. Um, which has, um, okay. Well, that, yeah, that's... I quite like that one because that would... he That's the kind of thing he would say to negate the fact that he was completely shitty to her and she was full of disdain for him, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Every bit of footage. We liked each other a lot. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, see, I'm really seduced by the Sean Connery thing. But that, that that's... That could be my downfall. So, and I'm quite alarmed by the she worked for me on numerous occasions. Aretha Franklin. What? When? When? How? Uh, okay. I sus- Okay, then. Mm, all right. I therefore think that number one is the one that you made up. On the okay. basis that I'm really convinced by it. <laughs> okay. So I'm just using I'm going with my sounds, Maddie. Sounds so like Maddie. Trump that you yeah. think I must have written it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I suspect it's true. Anyway, okay, yeah. So of the other two, which are you more convinced by? I think of the other two, the one about the Queen, number three. Okay. Yeah. And number three yeah. is... Yeah. Fake news. Oh, what? Oh, oh, wow, that's very impressive. Yeah. No, very he was good. his his official statement on the death of of Queen Elizabeth II was yeah. actually quite a lot more respectful than that. It was, it was right. surprising. <laughs> oh, Basically, he didn't, write, he didn't it. write it. No. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, he didn't. Uh, he didn't wow. talk about how how she actually thought he was great in any way. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. Just wow! She was, well, I'm she was amazed in... that that he allowed his staff writers to get away with that. Yeah. Wow. So. Oh, that is uh, very, yeah, very that's, good. Uh, yeah, even that... the the gracious and beautiful to us. Yes. <laughs> so Trump. Uh huh. Very good. Oh, blimey! I've not been convinced by one of yours for a long time. <laughs> oh, so wow. uh, yeah, that means that um, that number one, Sean Connery. Um, was real was oh, was, was real yeah that you was see a... i couldn't have found the i wasn't yeah yeah I didn't want the other ones to be so that was mm. a pair of tweets that he sent after yeah. sean connery died uh he did say has passed on spelling past incorrectly uh yeah. as as i did in my <laughs> yes, yes. yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah did he this... really shout let him build the damn thing really? no of course he didn't no no, no in fact it? Um, people in Scotland, like you know the the, the uh, Aberdeenshire officials, yeah, um, said that the uh, fuck he did, yeah, yeah. basically, <laughs> yeah. Um, so this, uh, I think, was about is it about Turnbury about his uh-huh. about Trump's uh-huh. property in in Aberdeenshire, uh-huh. and what Sean Connery said at the time was yeah. during tough economic times, this is a major vote of confidence in Scotland, basically, in oh, Scotland's right. tourist in- industry. The fact that someone yeah. is building a thing, he said. I look. Oh, okay. I look forward to seeing a new gem in the northeast that's good for Aberdeenshire and good for Scotland. So that was yeah. that was what he said. Fairly, 
non-committal. Yeah, and Trump, encouraging. Trump's yeah, suggestion really that Sean got involved, told Stepped told in. them to let him build it, and that avoided yeah. years of um, turmoil. Yeah. Um, the yeah the the Aberdeenshire official who presided over the local committee mm-hmm. that was looking over these development plans, Martin Ford, um, said Mr. Connery was not involved in the due process that no. led to the granting of planning permission for a golf resort. He did not submit a letter of representation to the council, appear at the planning hearing, or at the public local inquiry. Basically, no. he had nothing to do. He lives in Antigua <laughs> yeah. or somewhere, doesn't he, he? He had nothing yeah. to do with their decision no. whatsoever. <laughs> I like the way he spelt out everything. He didn't yeah. write, he didn't turn up, he didn't speak, he wasn't there. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. In order to... He's anticipating Trump saying, oh, yeah, but he would have written. No, no, he didn't, he didn't tweet, he didn't phone, yeah. he didn't send a card. There are the many ways he had no impact. He had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Didn't turn up. He didn't come by car. He didn't come by coach. He didn't come by train. Didn't come by horse. Yeah, he's never yeah. played golf here. He uh, he lives out of the country. He lives in the Caribbean somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. So yeah, Sean Connery, but but you know he's dead, he's so he couldn't respond. Exactly. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and Aretha yeah. Franklin. Uh, also, that, oh, that I can't was, believe was that. true. Well, true. In, Trump said to. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he said that in a uh, in a in a press conference uh, setting or a, a kind of meeting. It was a, a meeting uh, where the press attended, and yeah. uh, so obviously we have a clip from that. And somebody said, "Frankly, <laughs> no." What it do was you just think? he just brought it up at the beginning of a meeting about other stuff. Oh, I see, yeah. Well, I want to uh, begin today by expressing my condolences to the family of a person I knew well. Uh, She worked for me on numerous occasions. She was terrific. Aretha Franklin on her passing. She's brought joy to millions of lives and her extraordinary legacy will thrive and inspire many generations to come. She was given a great gift from God, her voice. And she used it well. People loved Aretha. She's a special woman. So the bit in the middle, she put joys to millions of lives and her extraordinary legacy will thrive and inspire many generations to come. Yeah, that was clearly pre-written. Written. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She was a special woman, he added. She was, she worked for me on numerous occasions. <laughs> she was terrific. What did she do? For Obviously, you didn't pay her because... Well, How? She um, she apparently uh, performed at Trump's castle, the casino um, in Atlantic right. City. Right. I don't know, like maybe once or something. I don't. It's not. She wasn't. She didn't. She wasn't a featured performer or anything right. like that. She's like just booked. She, yeah, on the part yeah. of a tour. Yeah. That's it, as far as I can tell. <laughs> oh right. It didn't like. It's not like the Supremes doing the the kind of arts nights they used to do at the white house under obama no they, no they, no they, there was no like, there was no um connection between the two basically they were never in the same room together ever no i mean her no. her biographer <laughs> no. her biographer david yeah. ritz said that trump he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, he said, a great artist is gone. It's just sad that he has to go there and attach her to himself. He's claiming that there's some type of bond, although I'm certain there was none. Her great allegiance was to the Democratic Party. She was a huge Obama supporter. She exactly. thought of herself as a Democrat and was vocal, obviously, as an activist in the civil rights movement. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All the things which are anathema to the Republicans. Yeah. 
Yeah, but in 1988, yep. she performed at the castle. Uh, and Because it was just so, on yeah. the tour. Yeah. That's, that's it. So, oh, man, so that means I'm... Uh, I was, uh, yeah, enjoying yeah. the fact that Aretha Franklin was real. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, and uh, but I've lost. Yeah, yeah, you have. That's uh, uh, so. You're back now to exactly fifty percent because it's fifty three oh, okay. out of hundred. You say I'm not half. You're bad. not half. You are half. Yeah. Well, you're half I'm bad. Half also, bad. not half bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm half good at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody focuses on that <laughs> enough. So it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called The Biden Documents Are Not a Logical Fallacy. Because yeah. we've been focusing so much on the Naralago documents case and saying how much Trump needs to be taken down for it. And now we have, yeah. to, we have to eat our words because Biden's yeah. just as bad. Yeah. Well, that's, but that's the, that's the politicking <laughs> that's going to happen, isn't it? It's already that's, absolutely it's happening. A, yeah, <laughs> it's a gift... For, to the right-wing media, it's you know it's an absolute gift. Apart from, so when you get a side-by-side comparison, <laughs> it's like I don't know a, a, a flea and an elephant. You know, because that's, <laughs> that's how you measure documents in fleas and elephants. Yeah, yeah. But that that bit will get ignored because it will just be you see you see we were right all along. He's just as corrupt. As you're saying, Trump is, yeah. and and or he did it, and he's okay. So you've got to say that Trump is okay. Yeah, Republicans are being interestingly inconsistent about this because, ah, okay. um, because obviously they are saying that this is really bad, even though they said what Trump did wasn't bad. That was fine, but this is bad. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, even though this is yeah. demonstrably way yeah. less bad. I mean, yes. How do you measure bad? Is it is it in in paper measurement? Yeah. Or do you have a ream of bad? Yeah. Or, uh, but they are being yeah. consistent about the fact that they are misrepresenting what Democrats think about the whole whole situation. So uh, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we've talked a lot about Trump's issues with um, documents, both classified and non classified. Um, and that is quite important that we talked mm. at the time about the fact that the the um, issue with some of these documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago um, and in the storage unit in Florida that they also found some in um, having yeah. classified markings and being in some yeah. cases top secret or SCSI or, 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 you know, having essentially the full range of, of yeah. classified markings. Yeah, that's bad. But it's not the thing they are looking to prosecute him for. The right. the classifiedness of them yeah. makes the thing he did worse. Yeah, but it's but it's not the thing. No, the, uh, the thing he did is yeah. the thing that they're. Getting but at, him for. but at the time, yeah. Republicans were saying, "Oh, you know, they're they're probably not really classified because he has the ability to declassify things with his mind." So <laughs> yeah. Just by the power of yeah. movement. So yeah. so therefore it's not an issue. And at the time, thankfully, we were saying, no, the classified thing's bad, but it's not the big deal. The big deal is yeah. not giving them back. 
and we yes. we talked about Several it several yeah. times over. We talked about yeah. it again at yeah. the time, which I'm really proud about because it means that now we can we were right. We can <laughs> we can say what the differences are in these cases without being mm. hypocritical and without justifiably being accused of special pleading. I'm not saying that people yeah. won't accuse Democrats of that or us of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But these are things we said at the time talking about Trump. Uh, we focused on Section E of the Espionage Act of 18 U.S.C. Mm-hmm. 793, which doesn't take into account whether the documents are classified or not. It's it's about yep. having access to kind of national defence information. 18 U.S.C. 793, Section E, ends with um, having said, you know, having unauthorised possession of all this stuff or willfully retains the same and fails to deliver it to the officer or employee of the United States entitled to receive it. That's what Trump did. He willfully retained government documents that he wasn't allowed to have. So Um, willfully. Yeah. Yeah. Over over a period of more than a year, when the National Archives had asked for them, had said, you know, "We we think these things are missing, we think you've probably got them, um, he, he and, and you know, they sent they sent the vans to the, to Mar-a-Lago. They took several boxes of documents back to yeah. the archives. They said, you know, you haven't got any others, have you? And his lawyers said, we definitely haven't got any others. And then yeah. the FBI went to Mar-a-Lago and went, oh, look at all these other ones, though. And yeah, and it was that willfully refusing to hand them over bit that opens him up to prosecution. Um, yeah. and, and is part of what is being looked at by Jack Smith, who we talked about in another episode. Incidentally, I forgot to mention when we talked about Jack Smith, the special prosecutor, um, yeah. that I strongly recommend people to listen to the podcast Jack, which is um, oh, wow. done yeah. by um, Alison Gill of uh, Clean Up on Isle 45. She also did yeah. the, the um, Muller She Wrote uh, podcast about the Muller Report and all of that stuff. She's great. She co-hosts it with former um, FBI director Andy McCabe. So, uh-huh. great podcast all about this whole process, about the, the Mar-a-Lago documents case, about Jack Smith's work looking at Trump. So, yeah, it's, uh, again, at the time we talked about how that is the important thing. The, class of, the fact that 300 of those documents that they found when they went to Mar-a-Lago also happened to be classified top secret um yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. and have various classified markings off the reading. In, yeah. include yeah. folders that that didn't have documents in that had classified markings on the folders indicating mm. that those documents were were missing or yeah hadn't been kept sensibly or where they should be in fact trump has come up with a new excuse for that right he said that he thought that um basically when they were given folders full of classified documents for meetings and things at the end of the session they would take the documents back but not the folders i mean that sounds mad mm-hmm. and and so he so had he's got so the folders, he kept the, the empty folders with the classified markings on as yeah. a cool memento <laughs> so fuck. yeah yeah that yeah. is probably lying i would imagine yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
It's a, well, it's, that's a, what are we going to say about this? Yeah. yeah, for the 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 missing, where are the missing documents? Uh-huh. It's that moment when you open your envelope of tax receipts and there are no tax receipts in there. What do you tell yeah. the tax man? But the envelope is a cool memento of the fact that you did your taxes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So. So I've got that, but yeah, that's not going to... Yeah. Pay your money. Yeah. So yeah, the the fact that three hundred of the documents were classified in various levels makes the fact that he had them and wouldn't give them back much worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and the fact that they were not then properly stored because we know that they were intermingled with his own personal documents and his passports and other stuff in his the drawers of his office at Mar-a-Lago and in Melania's closet and in all over the place. Yeah. That again, that makes it worse. But the law that they were looking at, none of the when when they appointed Jack Smith as special counsel, when they were yep. um, talking about the the uh, the laws that they were invoking to investigate this, none of the laws involved classified documents. None of them yep. needed those documents to be classified in order for what he did to be against the law. Yeah, which yeah, so it could have been anything. It could have been, could have been yeah. a memo he wrote on a. White House yeah, yeah. Napkin. Any presidential records, yeah, yeah. he doesn't have access. He shouldn't memento. have access to afterwards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, all of that said, the fact that Biden has uh, apparently in his garage in in uh, Delaware, and also mm-hmm. in um, the Penn Biden Center that he. I don't know if he had access to that centre, but was involved in setting up on, and when he was vice president or after he was vice president, rather. That's not great. He shouldn't have had that stuff. Hmm. The, whether it's classified or not, even if it, even if none of them was classified, but they were still presidential records or, or national security yeah. documents or anything like that. No, that shouldn't he have shouldn't them. have yeah. it. And what you do when you discover that you do have those types of documents is immediately contact the National Archives and give them back. Yeah. And say, I've got these. Yeah. I'll need to give them back. And also, I'll have a look elsewhere because yeah. I've now been alerted. Well, to you the fact don't. That I might have some. You of these don't things. have to do that. Oh, do you not? No, you absolutely. When you discover them, you absolutely have to give them back. And that In is moment, exactly yeah. what they did. They immediately yeah. contacted the appropriate people and handed them back, which yeah. means they didn't do any willful withholding of those documents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. On their own basis, just deciding mm-hmm. for themselves, they then, his lawyers then said, we should we should check we should check other places just yeah, in case there are there, there are any more documents yeah. yeah yeah um and yes they did find six more pages of classified documents um in in the garage in in Wilmington. yeah so again that's not good but they they yeah. didn't find them because the archive said we think you've got things you shouldn't have they yeah. they specifically they specifically looked for them themselves and immediately gave them back when they found them. Yeah. So there should be an inquiry into why he had them, because yeah. he shouldn't have had them. And indeed, that is happening. And the DOJ have appointed a a special counsel to look into that. Right. Who is a Trump appointee? Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so they are they are looking at it seriously in terms of this is a thing which shouldn't have happened and let's see why it happened and if there was any criminality involved and if it turns out that biden took these knowingly and deliberately and kept hold of them Mm. knowing he had them yeah um then yeah it should be taken seriously and steps should be taken against that i hesitate to say he should be prosecuted purely Mm. because 
the Office of Legal Counsel memo that the Republicans relied so very, very heavily on when Trump was in office yeah. still exists <laughs> and still right. says you can't prosecute a sitting president. Right. So... There you go. Yeah. I'm... Yeah. If that didn't exist, if the DOJ decided it didn't... It wasn't binding, you know, I am on board with Biden being yeah. prosecuted if yeah. it was found if it turns that out it, he, he did something wrong holding them and hiding them and not giving them back. Yeah. Yeah. As long as Trump is similarly prosecuted for yes. for doing yeah. much, much worse with many, exactly. many more with documents. many, many more, yeah. So it's like 16 versus 300 and something. Well, 300 is the number of classified documents that... Well, it's a, over right. 11,000 documents oh, I, uh, Trump, Trump had. Right, right. There were, yeah, 300 of them had classifi- classified uh, markings. But... Yeah. But he had many, many, many more to, like, you know, more than a hundred times the number yeah. that Biden had. Well, it's nearly a thousand times. Well, no, yeah, ele- yeah, 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 nearly yeah. a thousand times the number. So, so if, so wow. long, if Biden, say, say they give Biden two weeks in prison for this, yeah. so long as Trump gets 2,000 weeks in prison, I'm fine, fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I think Biden would be fine with that. Yeah. I think, I think he'd do that, you know. As long like, as that's going to happen, I'll do it. Are Trump's lawyers not having a hard time establishing that he didn't willfully take them? Because it appears that if he's saying, well, we kept the folders because they're a cool memento, yeah, yeah. There's, then there's some, there's some sort of a willful intent there. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, yeah, he's repeatedly... Admitted said, oh, yeah, I took to various crimes. Yeah. So far, it hasn't made much of a difference. But yeah, I think having a hard yeah. time is standard procedure for a Trump lawyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And then being accused of well, they couldn't hack, couldn't, couldn't hack it, uh-huh. couldn't cut the mustard. <laughs> but it's that it's that whole moving goalposts thing that he does. Yeah, we haven't got the documents. Oh, yeah, we have, but we're allowed to have the documents yeah. because I could just do that. You're just making this shit up. And Biden, did to the National Archives, didn't say to to Joe Biden, there's 16 bits of paper missing from your time as vice president. Have you got them? He, he said, oh, we found these. Yeah. We should give them to you. And went, okay, great, thanks. Yeah. That's it. No, absolutely. And, and, and what we'll also do, given just what's to be checked, with just Trump, to check, we'll to make sure look, we're doing everything right. Yeah. And yet, of course, the right wing Trump mega supporters will say, "Yeah, you see, nah, 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 nah. yeah, that's." But they're they're comparing apples and oranges. Yeah. Apples. And yeah, the yeah. Orange. They're comparing about ten apples with with eleven thousand oranges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And yeah. The, and the other thing is they've they've. <laughs> kind of focused a bit some of them at least have have been saying well you know trump even if he hadn't declassified those classified documents he could have done because he was president yeah. yeah so and he said that he had this kind of standard thing where when documents left the white house you know the the even the oval they office like they were automatically yeah. declassified which incidentally yeah. would then hold true for biden's documents also, mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. yep. but yep. but yeah, they people have said, well, Trump was president, so he could declassify them, but Biden um, was just vice president uh, at the time, uh, so he couldn't. Yeah, yeah. And um, that incidentally isn't true, because no. there was a, there was a uh, an executive order under Obama that 
essentially gave vice presidents the same kind of classifying and declassifying power that presidents have. As, as the president. Um, yeah. So so he could, but more importantly, he is currently president, whereas Trump is not. Yeah. <laughs> and if yeah, and yeah. therefore, if he wanted, so if he could, was, could they would be declassified yeah, yeah. because yeah. they're in his garage. He's the president. Uh-huh. They're declassified. Whereas Trump is no longer the president. Even if when he moved them, let's assume he moved them before he moved out of the White House, they were... And, the, and this sort of, why are we doing this? <laughs> it's not none of it true. Yeah. So even if he could declassify stuff as president, that would mean he would have to be president when he was doing it and moving them. Yeah. And they, so they're automatically being declassified, which they can't. <laughs> Now well, he's yeah. no longer the president, so they're not declassified. So there are classified documents in an ordinary citizen's house <laughs> who ought to be ringing up the National Archive and saying, I've got all these documents here. Fucking hell, I don't want these. Yeah. You ought to come and get them. But no, what he says is, I don't have them. And then when they say, yes, you do, he says, I'm not giving them back. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, the, so, and the reason we are talking about the hypotheticals is because while Republicans have a tendency to, and are in this case specifically doing so, um, just just say, "Well, this is the same." Yes, just Again, glossing talk, over everything. Talking else, about yeah. the nuance is important. Uh, yeah, and and we're trying to do it in a way where it's not like, "Oh, yeah, but it's okay when our guy does it." We're trying to, yeah, yeah, trying to yeah. point out. No, yeah, no. It's still it, there's still aspects of it that are bad. Yeah, the aspects of it that at the time when we were talking about Trump doing it, yeah, those those don't apply in this case. This they just no. aren't there. That's not the stuff he's being considered for prosecution for. No, yeah. There's an interesting yeah. thing. Uh, uh, the opening arguments podcast talked about this in some detail, as you might expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Section F of uh, 18 USC 793 came up, which is about people having knowledge of documents being removed or lost or, okay. or stolen, yep. potentially, or, or given to other people. But it yep. specifically talks about people who, having been entrusted with or having lawful possession of those documents, mm-hmm. then have knowledge of them being right. lost or something. So. Yep. Yep. So, so you've got to know theoretically, about the of them. Yeah. yeah. So th- they are theoretically, whatever, if, yeah. if when Biden was vice president, mm-hmm. at that point, like pre-midday, is it, on the 20th of January? I think it's midday that they change over. Right. If the documents were moved before that, and at that point he, um, being vice president, had lawful possession of those documents and knew yeah. that they had been yeah. moved yeah he's still potentially open to prosecution under that as yeah. as are as is anyone who who stayed in like and moved over to the trump administration from the white house yeah. who knew about those documents at the time knowing actually when they were placed in that garage or mm. um moved from the white house or whatever is is important and also knowing finding out who knew about it. So there's aspects yeah. of this investigation that is going to be done by, by uh, Robert Herr that are important and, and that could potentially lead to legal implications. Mm. I suspect they probably won't. It'll probably end up being another kind of 
like the FBI's investigation into Hillary, where they say, oh, yeah, it wasn't great, but they didn't actually do anything illegal. But, which, which was a massively political timed thing yeah so that's that there is you know there's a lot of political weight just as it was with hillary there's a lot of political weight for the optics of being investigated yeah yeah and as you said there's a lot of hay to be made politically on the right by this simply because it it contains some of the aspects of some of the things that have been talked about in relation to the mar-a-lago case and of course the you know being being the right wing they will be very cherry picky in the reporting of it and of course that will get down to people in iowa who <laughs> it will be filtered through the tucker carlson show who will say yeah see i told you he's not to be trusted yep. doing out doing down our guy and they will vote in for except they won't vote in for their guy because he won't be running or <laughs> yeah i mean the, be the benefit the i want. suspect is that as opposed to when the Mueller report was released and Barr did his very cherry-picked summary mm. of the Mueller report yeah, before yeah. it before the full report was released and and so all the headlines were based on Barr's summary um yeah. i suspect we won't get that situation I, I i expect that whatever kind of report her puts together on this case when it comes yeah. around, it'll be released in full. I I imagine without a kind of a, an, an egregious summary. Yeah, because there's there's just lots of legal niceties to be gone through, and that's what lawyers mm-hmm. go like to go through legal niceties. That so we'll discover that they don't yeah. in some of our new headlines. But yeah, <laughs> so it's 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 all in the nuance, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. And I expect so, the same will be true of the Smith. Uh, report mm. slash memo mm. or whatever comes out of that um where whatever yeah. his prosecution or declination decision is we'll know about it and we'll know the reasons for it in full i i and i could be wrong yeah maybe they'll appoint someone like bar to to do a biased summary of it i kind of doubt it doesn't yeah, feel like yeah. the way they do business no, because because Trump's no longer in office, yeah. so there's not there's not an axe to grind, and in a way, Biden has done all the right things. Yeah, yeah. So he's preempted all of all of that. Mm. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. House Republicans spent much of their first week in power being right for the wrong reasons about the fact Kevin McCarthy would be a terrible majority leader. But once they got their shit together, sorry, once they got all the shits to vote together, they got straight to work on the most important work of governing. Among their most pressing business, apparently, was passing a bill to defund the IRS and make it easier for rich tax cheats to stay rich, which will definitely not make it through the Senate, removing metal detectors from the House chamber and repealing the rule against indoor smoking in the House. They passed a rules package that effectively guts the Office of Congressional Ethics just days after seating George fucking Santos as a congressman and handed out committee assignments, including placing nut jobs Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar on the Oversight Committee. This being the Republican Party, those committees will overwhelmingly be chaired by white men. In fact, there are twice as many white men named Mike chairing those committees than there are women in total. Somehow, 
they are still less regressive than the GOP-led Missouri House of Representatives, who used their first day in office to enforce a stricter dress code on female lawmakers, requiring them to wear jackets and ensure their arms are covered at all times. Sounds like someone needs to remind the Missouri Republican Party that even women have the right to bear arms. OK, that joke admittedly works better written down, but still. <laughs> <laughs> nice. In a kind of reverse Darth Vader ostentatious display of machismo and power, Michael Schmidt's book, Donald Trump v. the United States, recounts how Trump wanted to nuke North Korea but make it look like it was somebody else that did it. Risking Jedi chokeholds, the then Chief of Staff John Kelly, whose time in office the book covers, reportedly responded, it'll be tough to not have the finger pointed at us in a manner not unlike Darth Vader's stubborn refusal to brook any contrariness. Apparently, it took bringing in military experts and explaining the balance of power which requires congressional approval to launch a military attack on North Korea for Trump to understand how the executive branch worked. Trump, of course, was baffled and annoyed by the entire process, and the mention of the loss of innocent lives apparently had no impact on him. Kelly eventually averted needless planetary destruction by appealing to Trump's skills in the art of the deal, telling him he would be seen as the greatest salesman in the world if he tried to form a diplomatic relationship with Kim instead of continuing an antagonistic war of words. Props then to Kelly, the most flawed person Trump ever met, according to Trump, for knowing the flaws of the orange from the dark side, the pith lord, if you will, <laughs> and in that simple ego-stroking act ensured our continued existence globally for a few more years. Let's hope Kelly's been studying DeSantis or Santos or Bobert, hell, any and all of the GOP crazies as well. Pith Lord is excellent. I'm in, I'm a little embarrassed <laughs> that hasn't been one of the <laughs> Come up with all the Pith Lord. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the next time. <laughs> Back in the early days of the podcast, all these headline slots tended to be US focused, but over time there were more crazy British stories we needed to cover, and at some point I just started writing Britpol in the final headline slot and let Mark do his thing. Similarly, don't be surprised if we have to set aside a regular space in this section for lies told by George Santos, because it's looking like there'll be a steady flow. For example, this week we learned about the shifting timeline of his 2020 bout of COVID, which he has claimed is nothing to worry about, but also that it put him in hospital unable to breathe and he was bedridden for two weeks, which he attributed to being immunocompromised from radiation to treat a brain tumour a couple of years before. Incidentally, nobody's been able to verify his claims of having had a brain tumour, and when a Washington Post reporter pointed out he appeared completely healthy when appearing on Fox Business four days into his supposed infection, he simply changed the dates he was ill, several times actually, eventually claiming he was first treated on March the 5th, which would have made his one of the first 11 cases in New York City. <laughs> While Santos has largely gotten away with all the lies so far, there are a couple which maybe could take him down. Firstly... If we learned one thing from John Wick, it was you absolutely don't fuck with someone's dog. So the fact that Santos allegedly raised $3,000 to pay for the cancer treatment of a homeless veteran's service dog, but then kept the money for himself, might move the needle a bit. Although, let's face it, probably not with Republicans. 
For the GOP, the allegation that Santos used to be a drag queen in Brazil called Katara Ravash is ironically the most likely thing that will take him down, since it's legal, perfectly fine, and not something he's previously lied about. I say previously because he went on Twitter today to call the claims categorically false, which, since it's him, is basically as good as confirming the story. Such an excellent name, <laughs> Katara Ravash. That's great. And, and it, with A-C-H-E on the end. Could be... Could be Kittera Ravek as well, <laughs> couldn't it? Wow. In a kind of vindication of that list identifying the rise of fascist states meme that did the rounds when Trump got in, uh, and then when Boris, and, and then Bolsonaro, and then Erdogan, and, and that guy in Poland. OK, when does a meme become reality? <laughs> Perhaps when it turns out that fake news, a term Trump once tried to lay claim to inventing, is ironically a near-direct translation of Lugenpress, the derogatory term used by Nazis against the lying press. And the irony is because Trump is filing a lawsuit against CNN for defaming him and ultimately saying he's like Hitler in a perfectly justified reductio ad Hitlerum. The court filing goes on to attack CNN for repeatedly drawing comparisons between Trump's right-wing nationalist and anti-democratic MAGA movement and Adolf Hitler's right-wing nationalist and anti-democratic Nazi party. Trump's lawyers saying that being compared to Hitler in this manner causes, and did cause, reputational harm. To which one of them, of course, is the unposed question. Trump's lawyers go on to say CNN statements seriously attempt to falsely state that the plaintiff intentionally used a Nazi-like propaganda technique to preserve his political power without providing any evidence to the contrary, because, you know, there's no case law requiring a plaintiff to plead facts that show why a false statement is in fact false, according to Trump lawyers. Trump's lawyers, also in a non-Hitlerian kind of way, of course, argue that consequently now is the perfect time to peel back First Amendment protections for American journalists. <laughs> Perhaps Hitler's mob were equally unable to do irony. If it's a right-wing thing, Herr Trump scheint das nicht ironisch zu finden that in filing the defamation lawsuit against CNN, he is also adopting the Nazi strategy of attacking journalists as liars with the court papers claiming that Americans are split when asked if the media is actually an enemy of democracy. Ah, poor old Adolf uh, Donald can't stand the truth being found out, hey? Yeah, but he would look terrible with a combed-over blonde toothbrush moustache as well. I mean, more terrible. So it turns out gas stoves are second only to guns in their importance to conservative values. Weird we didn't know that already. I feel like I've literally never heard a Republican mention how much they love their gas stoves or how America is a country founded on God, guns and gas stoves or anything like that until Biden's Consumer Product Safety Commission mentioned it might consider regulating them after a new study showed the air pollutants they produce are responsible for over an eighth of childhood asthma cases. At that point, once a government agency said they might take science into account, the right wing went nuts. Both Florida sex trafficker Matt Gates and former White House pill pusher Congressman Ronnie Jackson tweeted that they would have to pry their gas stoves from their cold, dead hands. <laughs> and here's a fun thing. Remember that God guns gas stoves comment I made earlier as a joke? I wrote that before I discovered that jacket deficient assault ignorer Jim Jordan tweeted literally exactly that phrase in response to this latest attempt at manufacturing a culture war. <laughs> It's really not fair of them to do the things we make up in an attempt to satirise them. 
from their cold dead hands. <laughs> That's brilliant. Something that would make your hands very hot from my cold yeah. dead hands. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you move them away in a lively fashion because they are so hot. In an hilariously matted web of intrigue, suing and countersuing that the Daily Beast do their usual great job of reporting on, whilst at the same time making it no less complicated, the Finman Freedom Phone debacle folds in on itself like an origami made of Mobius strips. Remember the Freedom Phone, the summer of 21's big hit created by Bitcoin mogul Eric Finman, who promised customers a phone loaded with conservative apps and free from liberals' Silicon Valley influence. Turns out it was an unbranded Chinese smartphone like the one I bought off TikTok for $80 the other day. Rebranded and marked up to $500 to the delight of the likes of Candace Owens who posted on Instagram, I'm holding a freaking phone that is not controlled by Apple or Google. Such endorsements and Finman's viral video led to $4 million worth of sales. But payment processors handling the orders refused to hand the money over to Finman apparently concerned that the phone was a scam. Hmm, prescient. Unable thus to buy them from China, Finman cut the deal with Utah-based company Clear Cellular to make the phones, and now, in recently posted court filings, Finman claims Clear Cellular missed deadlines, failed to unfreeze access to funds, such that Finman had to pay endorsers out of his own admittedly enormous pocket. And when phones arrived, they didn't work. Founder of Clear Cellular, Michael Proper, didn't help when he encouraged angry Freedom Phone customers to launch a class action consumer fraud lawsuit against Finman. And when $400,000 of the money was unfrozen, Finman alleged that Proper blew 10000 in a shopping spree at Costco buying video games and other electronics, whereas making three or more hundred dollars each time profit buying phones off Wish was OK. In return, Proper accused Finman of merely handing over a spreadsheet that he knocked up himself when proper asked for the Freedom Phone accounts. Whilst it's unseemly, I suppose, to laugh at the business machinations of stupid rich right-wingers, it's the unwitting stupid right-wing punters who did or did not get a non-functioning cheap Uncle Sam Chinese cell phone brick for their half a thousand dollars that I feel sorry for, because they are doubtless sometime in the not-too-distant future going to be voting one or other of Proper or Finman into office. In the grand tradition of the grand old party making up things to worry about, a Texas Republican has proposed a law requiring labelling of all food which contains or is manufactured with human fetal tissue, or if it was the product of research that used such tissue. Seems like this is a problem that could be solved by saying, OK, clicking your fingers and saying, it's done. All food that contains human fetal tissue is now labelled as such. Texas State Senator Bob Hall is convinced it's trickier than that, though. The statement released by his office reads in part, Unfortunately, many Texans are unknowingly consuming products that either contain human fetal parts or were developed using human fetal parts, which is only accurate if you use consume incredibly broadly, since Hall also includes medicine in the proposed law, and there are some medicines that are developed with the use of cell lines from fetal kidney cells from the 1970s. Hall and co are clearly trying to make this sound like Democrat researchers are sprinkling aborted fetuses on your nachos and hiding it from you. But if this law passes, then hey, at least you'll know which brands have the fetus bits on and you can make an informed decision. 
Well, it's same old, same old here in broken Brexit land. Hateful, sad, squashed, hairy, raisin-faced, three-time breacher of the MP's Code of Conduct, Tory MP Andrew Bridgen, has been suspended for likening the vaccine rollout to the Holocaust, as has another Tory councillor for saying Bridgen was right. They've, of course, both bleated about cancel culture since. Yes, some things you just do, as a moral imperative have to cancel. Speaking of which, Rishi Sunak has been flying around the country several times this week and it's only Thursday like a faded wannabe A-lister on a taxpayer-funded jet because he's very busy and can't thus go by train. Also because he's at war with the trains, as was revealed in a report that the government asked the rail firms to prolong the strikes because they were cheaper than settling a pay dispute. He's been busy visiting those northern and midland blue wall constituencies, blethering on to invited, vetted and easy touch and thus wholly unrepresentative audiences about levelling up. Levelling up is another empty ex-Boris promise meant to convince people that they weren't just bunging money to their London-based mates, but were going to spread the love and the funds around the country exactly where they'd been disenfranchising them for decades and then weaponising them to blame Europe and vote Brexit as well, by the way. Also, this tarmac hopping is in the wake of findings that A, billions more levelling up funds got diverted, including by him, Sunak, to southern, richer Tory constituencies rather than northern ex-Labour constituencies, and B, because those ex-Red Wall seats on the Learjet flight path are polling 99% in favour of flipping to the Labour Party in the next local and general elections. What we're seeing is what Kissinger calls shuttle diplomacy. Fly in a jet to placate people who dream of having a jet at their disposal. Tell them bland, unverifiable things about how they're so important to the country, so much so that he can't possibly answer whether he's 100% behind funding, say, the North-South Rail system to allow them to get down to London where the money is. Bridging the North-South divide and destroying the environment whilst not going to Davos all in a day's work for the greenest, most globally business-focused liar we've had since the last one, like, say, Chancellor for 25 minutes or so, Nadim Zahawi, who's just had to pay millions of back taxes he failed to declare. And, yep, he's still in office. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com. And if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or simply tell one other person in person about how much they like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our newest patrons Dominic Morano and Hawk. Our straw man level patrons, Don Tuvi, Renee Z, Schmutz, Mark Reiki and Amber R. Buchanan, who told us when we met her at QED, we could just call her Amber. And our true Scotsman level patrons, Stephen Bickle, Janet Uetta, Kaz Tui, Andrew Houck, Max Beaver and our top patron, Lauren. Thank you very much for your continued support. It's very much appreciated. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by the outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the, ad- to the Donald. <laughs> That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>